Hello, and welcome to the first ever Anchor of Beaumont podcast, where we love God and we love people. Here, we will host the audio-only version of each service so that you can listen anytime, anywhere, no matter what you're doing. Listen during your commute to work. Listen while cleaning the house. Listen while working out, even. First, we will begin the podcast with a three-part series on baptism called I Am Clean. This is taught by Pastor Jonathan Green. So let's get into it. Enjoy the message. We're in a series. We're in a series on baptism. On baptism. And uh, we'll be going to the book of Romans. If you have your Bibles, the book of Romans, chapter number six. The book of Romans, chapter number six. That's where we're going to start today. The book of Romans, chapter number six. And we'll go to verse one and two and three and four. And I will tell you that we're going to have uh, a, a whole lot of Bible today, a whole lot of Bible. Uh, last Sunday, we, we set a foundation, and um, we didn't really read that many scriptures, but today we're going to be yeah, in the Word of the Lord. And, uh, and what a great time we had last Sunday. What a great time we had last Sunday uh, in part one of this, of this series, talking about baptizo and and um, baptizing and baptizo to wash and then uh, also to immerse, to, to baptize. And today is just going to be a wonderful time in the word of the Lord. And I'm, I'm praying that you have revelation, that you have revelation, that I have revelation. Uh, Jesus in Luke 24, the Bible says that he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And that is my prayer. That's my prayer every day when I read my Bible. God opened my understanding that I might understand the scriptures because it would be such a travesty to me to read this word and not be able to understand, understand this word. And so we're on part two of our series in baptism and it is going to be a great, great time. If you missed part one, you can go back on Facebook. You can go back to seven days prior. You can watch it if you so desire. Um, but it was a great, great time in the word of the Lord. Uh, we had six people last Sunday uh, reach out to us about being baptized in Jesus' name. And then uh, this past Saturday, just, just simply yes, yesterday, we, we, baptized, we baptized two people here. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to Matthew and Romero Morin. Uh, they were baptized in Jesus' name last, uh, just yesterday, and they were watching last Sunday. And I just want to give a shout-out to them and say, congratulations, God. We applaud you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Uh, today we're going to be talking about baptism and what happens in baptism. We're going to segue into the name. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that today as well, the name of Jesus. And it's going to be a great, great time. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes and he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He asks two questions. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then he answers, God forbid, God forbid. Question again, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So Paul answers the pivotal question himself, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he answers it with 
an incredulous question of his, of his own, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You see, the definitive answer from Paul is that the believer, the believer, you and I, the believer, we should not continue to live in sin. Instead, the believer, you and I, we should live the life of an overcomer. Uh, that question and the truth that it implies, it provides us with a fundamental truth about the life of the believer. You and I as a believer, we must live a changed life. And then the next passage, verses 3 to verses 14, they provide the reader uh, with a, a three-step approach, we could put it that way, to, to living the life of an overcomer. There's three steps from verse 3 to verse 14 of Romans 6. And in a nutshell, those three steps are as follows. No. The first thing that you need to know is what has happened to you in your salvation. The second step is you must reckon or count what we know as being real and true in our lives. It's not just enough to know, but you and I must act upon that knowledge. And then finally, the third step was we must yield our lives to God on the basis of the revelation that we now know and we are now reckoning to be real, in, uh, uh, we are now reckoning that to be real in our lives. Verses 3 and verses 10 deal with the first step, the step of knowing. And this morning, we are going to look at the first two verses of that passage and we're going to establish the critical thing that every believer must know. So what I'm going to talk about today is something that every believer must know. And if you've been a believer in Jesus Christ a long time, you may say, well, Pastor Green, I probably already know that so I can just go cook lunch instead. I'm going to challenge you to stay with me today because you might see some things that you don't know that you thought that maybe you did know everything. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4 is really our text for today. It says this, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Let's just jump back to verse number 3. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Paul starts with this, know ye not. There, there seems to be a note of surprise, maybe a dismay in Paul's question to those who continued in sin. Paul is effectively saying, don't you know what happened to you? Literally, Paul is saying, are you ignorant of this? He, he asked this sort of question, this type of question quite often. If you read much of Paul's writings in the epistles, uh, then you will be familiar with this kind of response. This response has the tone of a maybe a mild rebuke. Uh, it, it's like Paul is saying, you really should know this, but just in case that you don't know this, I will explain it to you. And in this instance, his question has to do with what happened to us in baptism. 
what happened to us in baptism. It is interesting to note here that the Apostle Paul blatantly expects that every believer will have been baptized. I mean, there isn't even the slightest hint here that someone could have genuine faith in Jesus Christ, the kind of faith that causes us to be justified by our faith, but that believer has not been baptized. I mean, Paul gives absolutely no credence to the idea of an unbaptized believer. It just doesn't happen. It is very clear. Paul expects every believer to be baptized. Jesus said in Mark 16, which is not in my, not my notes today, but Jesus said in Mark 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You see, this isn't an oversight on the Apostle Paul's part. Uh, baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ was a part of the basic presentation of the gospel for the very first century church. Baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ was an essential part of becoming a Christian. The Apostle Paul did not view faith and baptism as two separate things. But instead, Paul saw faith and baptism as parts of the larger whole. You see, faith was an essential element in baptism. It was assumed that if one had faith, then they would be baptized. Simply put, let me say it this way. Paul is not questioning if they have been baptized. He is questioning if they understood the deep spiritual significance of what happened when they were baptized. You see, so many people are baptized because they think I'm baptized to join a church or I'm baptized to go public with my faith or I'm baptized. And they don't understand what happens when they were baptized. Here's the crux of the issue. When we repented of our sins and when we were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the removal of our sins, we simply applied his death and his burial to our lives. I would say it also needs to be noted today that both faith and repentance are presumed here as precursors of baptism. You see, when we repent, we turn from sin to God. And repentance means death to the old lifestyle, death to the old man, or death to the old woman, Death to the pursuit of sinful lust. Repentance is a type of dying. Water baptism is of no value until repentance has taken place. If you are baptized but you have not repented, then you simply just got wet. You see, you cannot be buried until you are dead. Bottom line. You can't be buried until you are dead. And the same way it is with baptism. You can't be buried in baptism until you are dead and you die out or you repent to the old nature, the old man. At baptism, we are identified personally now with the burial of Jesus Christ. Here Paul says that we are baptized into, notice, his death. Look at your neighbor and tell him his death. 
If you're by yourself, just tell yourself, Jonathan, his death. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, Paul says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptism, ladies and gentlemen, bears the spiritual significance of being associated with the burial of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we see the spiritual application of the gospel unfolding in these verses. You see, when we repent, we identify with the death of Jesus Christ. We die out to the flesh. We die out to sin. And when we are baptized, we identify with the burial of Jesus Christ. We are buried with him, not them. We are buried with him in baptism. And this is the gospel literally unfolding before us. Another key point to consider here is that the apostle Paul refers to baptism as being baptized into Christ Jesus. The important thing here is that he doesn't necessarily dwell on this point. He just assumes that the believer that he's writing to will know what he is talking about. Paul assumes that all believers will know what it means to be baptized into Christ Jesus. You see, when we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we are literally baptized into Christ. The preposition into, stay with me now, has the connotation of movement from one space to another space, as well as the connotation of purpose. When we are baptized in his name, watch this now, we are purposefully and deliberately baptized into Jesus Christ. And this is something that Paul assumes is common knowledge among believers. You see, a spiritual transaction takes place when you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You literally, hear me now, you literally become a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And all of that is what Paul assumes that his readers or his believers already know. However, what he is not sure is that they know and understand that they were baptized into the death of Christ. Paul is saying, if you were baptized into Christ or if you were buried with him in baptism, don't you realize that this means that you have to have died with him as well. I love this. Verse 4, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. This is the point that Paul is making. Baptism, ladies and gentlemen, is a means of identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. You hear me. I identify with his death, specifically identification with his burial. I wasn't crucified and I wasn't buried. Jesus Christ was crucified and he was buried. But because of baptism, I am able to identify with his death and his burial. 
you see Paul writes to the church in Colossae. In Colossae, Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, he echoes Romans 6. He says, buried with him in baptism, just as the man Jesus Christ died and was buried while dead. So you and I die to sin at repentance and are baptized or we are buried with Jesus Christ. Now, I, I know that that is not the primary purpose of this verse, to, to teach on the proper baptismal mode. But I would be remiss today if I don't point out just a few things. The link between baptism and burial only makes sense. Hear me now. The link between baptism and burial only makes sense if baptism is by immersion. Comparing water baptism to burial is incomprehensible unless we assume that it's done by immersion. Follow with me. A person, a person is not buried by simply sprinkling a few drops of dirt on the body. The body is totally submerged under the earth for proper burial. And so it follows that proper means of baptism is by immersion. The person baptized should be to totally submerged or immersed in the water. This is the only way that the pattern of burial is faithfully replicated. Here is the point. These references make it obvious that the early church baptized by immersion the same way that Jesus was baptized himself, we heard last Sunday, in the Jordan River by John the baptizer. If the early church baptized by immersion, then shouldn't we, the 21st century church, baptize that way as well? I mean, if they baptized by immersion in Jesus' name, should not you and I be baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus as well? And likewise, Paul's inspired teaching in this passage, it only makes sense if the baptism is in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, baptism is a personal, hear me now, it is a personal identification with Jesus Christ. We are buried with him in baptism. We are baptized into his death. We are baptized into Christ. There are or there is no plurality of persons there. Him in baptism into his death. Baptized into Christ. There is no plurality of persons there. You see, the first century church had absolutely no concept of any kind of baptism in a trinity of persons. They were not baptized into the Father and into the Son and into the Holy Ghost. And they certainly were not baptized, hear me, in the death of the Father or the death of the Holy Ghost. The Father of the Holy Ghost did not die. Jesus Christ died and was buried on our behalf. And so therefore, we are buried with Jesus Christ. Or we are buried with him in baptism. Baptism relates specifically and personally to him, not to three persons in the Trinity. But Pastor Green, 
What about Matthew chapter 28, verse 19? I mean, you took that as your text last week, and you said that you would bring more clarity to it this week. Well, I'm glad that you asked. Just journey with me back to English class today. We know that a noun is a person, place, or thing. A man, woman, boy, girl, dog, cat, house, you name it, car. A verb is an action, a word like walk, run, talk, spoke. Prepositional phrases, oh, I loved English. They're like adjectives and adverbs. Prepositional phrases, they, they add meanings and clarity to nouns and verbs in our, our sentences. Uh, for an example, the clothes were in a pile. Or, or, or Spencer was in the clear. I mean, in a pile or in the clear are prepositional phrases. It, it gives meaning to the clothes and it gives meaning to, to Spencer. But let's use what we did in junior high uh, class. It was called sentence diagramming. When you look at Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. This is a directive. It is an official or an authoritative instruction. You and I have been commanded and directed to go. Go ye therefore. It was a commandment to those disciples. A directive. Teach. That was the verb, the action word here. Teach who? All nations. That's the object of the action. Baptizing them. This is again an action that we have been told to perform. An action to go to all nations. Where we are commanded to go, we are to baptize, to teach and baptize. And we are to do that in the name the prepositional phrase, uh, adding meaning to nouns and verbs in our sentences. Uh, the name is the object of the preposition. You, you, you see, we must figure out the name that we have been baptized, directed to baptize in. The name is the authority. The name is the authority that the action is being performed in. So let's diagram this. Uh, can I have that on the screen, Christy? I don't know if you have it, but let's just diagram this. In the name, in the name, the name is the object of the preposition in. It's the noun, in the name. Now here we have the next phrase. We have the prepositional phrase modifying the word name. At this point, we do not know what the name of the person is, but we do know by this prepositional phrase that whoever this per person is, they are the Father. Baptized in the name of the Father. They are the Father. Now, now our goal today is to find out the name. So let's diagram this. Uh, and is a conjunction word used to uh, connect clauses and sentences uh, or, or to coordinate words in the same clause. Um, he says, baptize in the name of the Father and, uh, here it is, another prepositional phrase, modifying the word name uh, of the Son. We, we still don't know the name. But we do know by this prepositional phrase that whoever this person is, they are the son. Okay, we, we have a directive to, to go to all nations. We have a directive to perform an action, to, to baptize them in the name. But yet we don't know the name as of yet. We do know that this person is both a father and a son. But we still don't have a name. 
And then it's another prepositional phrase, and of the Holy Ghost. Yet another prepositional phrase modifying the word name, but we still don't know the name. We do know by this prepositional phrase that whoever this person is, they are the Holy Ghost. Understand this, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost this. The Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost aren't names. They are descriptive titles only they tell us something about the name, but they have not revealed to name. Now watch this. All we know here is that whoever this person is, they are a father and they are a son and they are the Holy Ghost, but we still don't know what the name is. So Matthew 28, 19 gives us a command to perform an action to nations. It tells us to do this action in the name of a person who is the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. However, without knowing the name of the person, there is no power and there is no authority and just the titles only. You see Acts chapter 2. It's the birth of the church. The events that happened in Acts 2 happened right after this command was given. It was on a particular day, the day of Pentecost. That's 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, our Passover. 50 days after in Acts 2 verse 1, it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And some theologians will tell you that this was seven days, and some would say it was 10 days after this command was given. This command was freshly given to go baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Pentecost signals the beginning of the church age, and in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it's incredible. Read it for yourself. Uh, the Holy Spirit falls from heaven. They're speaking in other, uh, other languages, other unknown tongues. Uh, as the Spirit gives the utterance, uh, they are all filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Acts 2 verse 4, begin to speak with other tongues, uh, other languages. Uh, as the Spirit gives utterance. Uh, verse 9, 10, and 11 says they're Jews uh, from all over the world right there. Uh, they're there. Uh, they're hearing this take place. Uh, they're seeing it take place. It's amazing. Verse 14 tells us Peter stands up with the 11. The writer Matthew was right beside Peter who wrote that gospel, who said baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He's right there beside Peter on that day when Peter begins to preach. And what did he preach? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me that question. From verse 14 to first verse 36, Peter preaches the gospel to nations of people, literally fulfilling the, the command or the directive of Matthew 28, 19. Teach all nations. If you count the different nationalities that were present, you see how it is fulfilled. In verse 22, Peter says, uh, and, and he begins to preach and he reveals the name. He says, ye men of Israel, hear these words. You ready? Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you 
by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know. He preaches in verse 23 through verse 35. He says, you crucified Jesus Christ. You buried Jesus Christ. But he didn't stay buried. He got up. He resurrected. He's alive and well. And verse 37 says, now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Conviction happens to the people of many different nationalities that day. Conviction produces repentance. The people ask, men and brethren, what shall we do? What action needs to be done? And here comes the directive, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized. Action verbs, every one of you, the directive to all nations, in the name, it sounds like Matthew 28, 19, of, here's a preposition used to add meaning to the nouns and verbs in our sentences, but he says, of Jesus Christ, it is the noun, it is the direct object, it is the authority, it is the missing link of Matthew 28, 19, for the remission of your sins, and that's the reason for baptism. Because what Jesus has done, what Jesus has done, he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a benefit of following the directive and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Whew. Wow. Wow. When we look at the writer of Acts, Luke, he records, records the words of Peter in Acts 4. Verse 12, we see again that, that the name is full of power and salvation. For he says, neither is there salvation. What? In any other. For there is no other name, not title, no other name under heaven given by men whereby we must be saved. I told you last week, and I'll tell you again, I am a father, that is not my name. I am a son, that is not my name. I am a pastor, that is not my name. My name is Jonathan Green. And if I were to do any type of business, I was to sign my name. I could not sign father, son, or pastor, and it be legit. It has to have my name. Because the power is not in my title. The power is in my name. And so it is with baptism. The power is not in the title Father. The power is not in the title Son. And the power is not in the title Holy Spirit. But the, the power is in the title in the name. Here it is. Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Whew. Aren't you thankful? For the name. So Matthew 28, 19 is the directive or the command that gives descriptive titles of the authority, but does not give the name of the authority. And Acts chapter 2, verse 38 states the authoritative name 
of the descriptive titles. And that name is Jesus. And it is spoken to us by those who heard Jesus speak, Matthew 28, 19. You see, there is no other name. There is no other authority. There is no other power than the name of Jesus. Than the name of Jesus. Paul tells a church in Philippians 2, and I'm sorry I didn't turn this verse in, but in two, to Philippians 2, he says, uh, he says uh, at the name of Jesus, every name shall bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other name, no other authority, no other power than the name of Jesus. And both the Apostle Paul and the Roman church must have known only baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, Paul would not have thought of baptism as a burial with Jesus Christ or expected his readers to see it as such without some kind of explanation. I've got to bring this to a close today. It is significant to note as the team gets ready. It is significant to note how the first century church conducted their baptisms because it is incredibly important to our salvation, your salvation and my salvation, that we baptize in the same manner. I believe we all would agree with that. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, I read it a while ago. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In Acts chapter number 8, Philip goes to the city of Samaria and he preaches Christ to them. And they're baptized. They haven't received the Holy Spirit yet. And the Bible says this, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, the Holy Spirit. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When, when Peter comes to Cornelius' house and he preaches about Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and he preaches about being filled with the Spirit, the Bible says the Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave utterance. And after them speaking in tongues, Acts 10.48 says that Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. When you look at believers in Acts chapter 19, Paul's on a road from Ephesus. He finds certain disciples. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we haven't heard about the Holy Ghost. He said, how were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. He said, John baptized unto repentance, saying to believe on him that should come after John. That is on Christ Jesus. And Acts 19 verse 5 says, when they heard this, they were baptized a second time, another time. They were rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, I want to encourage you to be rebaptized or to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Remember, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are just titles. That's not the name. The name is Jesus. And then the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, talking about his own baptism. He says, and now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on 
the name of the Lord. Hear me. Hear me. If I believe baptism was to be in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I would have baptized everybody in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. If I found one instance in the Bible where they were baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, then I would baptize in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I would do it rapidly and quickly. I would even be rebaptized myself in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But I can't find one verse in the book of Acts. When they were doing baptizing, when they were baptizing individuals, where they stopped and they said, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Or I now baptize you in the title of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I don't find it. I don't see it. If you know where it's at, comment, put it in the comments, send us a message. I would happily, happily, happily embrace that. But what I do find is baptism is in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And what I do find when I diagram Matthew 28 19, I discover, I discover that of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. It just brings clarity to the name, but it does not show me who the name is or what the name is. Clarity to the person. And finally, Colossians 3 verse 17. Paul writes this. He says, and whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus. All in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, Pastor Green, do you think I need to be to be rebaptized in Jesus' name? Yeah, absolutely. I think that. Let me ask you this question. You don't? Do you think that you should be rebaptized in Jesus' name? If John's disciples did, why not? If Christ Jesus died for you and I, then why not identify with his burial, his death, and even his resurrection? Why not? What about my, my, my mother wasn't baptized? My grandma, I've heard all kinds of reasons. Does it mean they're not saying, I don't even get into that. I can only speak to you, to you and speak about me right now. And you and I have a great opportunity to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It's kind of like the eunuch in Acts chapter 8. He's in a chariot. He's reading the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Philip, leave the revival in Samaria where they're baptizing in Jesus' name. He goes out into this desert and here's this chariot and here's this eunuch. He hears him reading the prophet Isaiah and Philip says, Understandest thou what thou readest? And here's what the man said, how can I? I said, some men should show me. And Philip climbed up in his chariot. The Bible says he opened the same scripture, Acts 8, 38. He began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a place that had water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. 
wouldn't have hindered me to be baptized. And Philip said, absolutely nothing. And they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Baptism is a powerful thing. You identify with the burial, the death, even resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me show you one other thing that it does. First Peter chapter 3, verse 21. I didn't give them this scripture. 21. The like figure, born to you in baptism, doth also now save us. It saves us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, or not the cleansing of our flesh, like taking a bath. But it's the answer of a good conscience toward God. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There have been people who have been baptized before, even in Jesus' name. They backslid, went away from God, or were young and don't even really recall it. And they've said, Pastor Green, I would like to be rebaptized in Jesus' name. I encourage them to. It's a cleansing of one's conscience. So here I'm saying, here's water. What doth hinder you to be baptized? We would love to baptize you in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. If any man is Christ, he's a new creature, Paul says. Old things pass away and everything else becomes brand new. Just send us a message. For watching on Facebook, send us a message. Contact someone to the church. If, if, if you're a church member, share this video with your friends. Listen, let's get the word out. Baptism is for everybody. Everybody can have their sins remitted. Everybody can have their conscience cleansed. Everybody can identify with the burial of Jesus Christ. I love you very much. I want to pray for you as the team gets ready to sing. Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us. I thank you for this moment that we've had in your word. Your word is alive. The writer of Hebrews says it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I know that, it, that people are watching the stream may have heard things that they've never seen before in Scripture and said, wow, that makes sense. That connects the dots. And, and yet they were baptized maybe in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and not baptized in Jesus' name. Or maybe they've never been baptized at all. I pray, God, let them act upon their faith. Obedient faith. Obedient faith. Let them say, hey, I'm willing to be baptized or rebaptized in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins. I want to identify with Jesus Christ. He loved me so much to give his all for me. And I love him so much that I want to identify in burial with him. And I pray, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone here at The Anchor, we want to thank you for listening today. If you enjoy this message, there are a few things that you can do to help support the podcast. First, please share this podcast on Facebook or directly to your friends. And also, leave a review on the platform that you're listening from. Also, if you have any questions about the message or want more information, please find us on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message. We are happy to help you in any way that we can. See you next week.